click, click, click. Yeah, sorry, that's my mouse. I'm, I'm totally <laughs> not playing the game right now. Um... <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. My name's Jonathan. My name's Roland. It's Tony. And we're back after our Christmas break for episode 95. How was y'all's break? Well, short. Yeah, uh, yeah, good, good, good. No complaints. Here we are in another right now, or I guess right in the middle of the Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties, huh? Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I never thought... That, I don't see any flappers outside, so... <laughs> <laughs> we can bring them back. We still have enough time to do this. That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Let's have a 100-year retro event. I played a lot of Doom around the uh, the uh, 30th anniversary. That was a, a real blast. And then I uh, started playing some more uh, Dwarf Fortress, and we'll get into that uh, here, in, here in a little bit. Oh heck! Why not? We'll get into it now. Why not? Let's just dive in. Yeah, I uh, I have discovered and fallen in love with Quick Fort. Oh, least, okay. Yeah, the uh, Dream Fort, Quick Fort plans the blueprints, if you will. If you want to have a quick setup of a fortress that is pretty much complete, everything that you need to have sustainable fortress, it is worth your while to to examine Dream Fort. Uh, with Quick Fort, because it in a couple of uh, a couple of in-game years, you can have your fortress set up to be everything that you need and more, and then you can concentrate on doing your uh, your mega structure or whatever other plans that you have for for your fortress. If you find your joy in the intricacies of setting up your fortress and want every one of them to be different, it's probably not for you. But uh, but I loved it. I I'm going to be using that probably in the future for at least until I get tired of the layout of, of, of dream fort, but it's really, really cool. I was very impressed with how easy it was. I would love to hear more about that. Cause when I've tried to use it before to like build a block of bedrooms or whatever, it ends up just kind of making a mess that I end up having to just completely abandon. It, it feels like it's busy work for the dwarves and then nothing comes of it. So like, what are you doing? It is successful. I guess what am I not doing? Which is kind of a hard question for you to answer. You mean about yeah, quick fort or about bedrooms? Yeah. No, about quick fort. Because every so, time I've done it, it just makes a mess. Well, if you look at the dream fort documentation on the DF hack documentation, uh, it kind of walks you through it. But I'll just so you can lay down first your surface layer, and it has things like the above ground farm, your livestock area. And you can, you do it in like several steps and really whenever I try to describe it, it sounds more complicated than it is. In fact, I think that I will build a, a video of me mm. implementing dream fort just to show kind of how it works, but you'll first lay out the things that they have to dig and they have to clear. So they'll clear forests, if uh, clear trees and stuff, if necessary, they'll uh, lay out the zones and then when they finish with that, then you will uh, put down your uh, next layer that's on that same that's the, your next quick fort stamp that will put in your traps and your walls and your drawbridges and things like that. And then once that's complete, you can then put your roof on your surface layer. 
and and you could do these, you know, you can interleave them. I'm really doing a horrible job of explaining this. But so there is a surface layer, then underneath that there's a services layer, and underneath that there's an industry layer, underneath that there's a nobles quarters layer, there's a bedrooms layer, and uh, there's even a crypt layer. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong with my crypts, but with the quick fort dream fort, whenever you do your crypt layer, you don't have a door on every coffin in order to make individual tombs. So yeah, that's curious. I I thought you had to do that. Nope. Apparently not. Um, I haven't figured out how to do it manually without putting a door on each of them, but Unless I want to do them one by one, and maybe whenever they built the blueprint, the blueprint that's what they did. Maybe they, uh, you know, made each individual tomb uh, one at a time. But yeah, it's it, it's really neat, and it's it's very productive, and also <laughs> it shows you just how overpowered cage traps are. Uh, it is yeah. amazing how overpowered. Shh. I have. You're not let me supposed go to say that out loud, by the way. What's that? You're not supposed to say that out loud. That they're overpowered. Let me see. Let me see. We my... don't want that patched. <laughs> we don't want that patched. Leave that alone. They're Where's the think it is going to be patched? Because how would you even patch it? Just make the trap get less people by trapping them. Yeah, I guess you could increase the like have it basically do a dice roll on whether or not the trap is successful, and then the creature would have a modifier that would determine how how its evasion was or something or you could have like a maximum size because you know like the fact that you can drop trap a giant rock or a bronze colossus in one or whatever it's like should should that work that way i don't know i i think there's probably ways he could manage it not that i'm encouraging this i think it's perfectly fine the way it is yeah <laughs> i do too <laughs> i think it should, i think we should just leave it i think it's perfectly balanced <laughs> well the the thing is i've got so many cage things that i'm not really sure what to do with them i thought that perhaps i would use them for training uh training my military one by one letting these things out and having my squads you know eradicate them slowly but I mean, this is just the sentient things that I have caged right now. I have three troglodyte babies, a named troglodyte. I have um, some goblins. Oh, you can do drop testing. Yeah, I could. Do you ever do drop drop testing where you see how many levels something can fall before it's killed? I've got a, a I've got a cyclops, one. a minotaur, a mulmarian, two more goblins. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like like fifteen troglodytes wow. caged yeah it's 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 amazing you should build a coliseum yes and open i was about to cage s- doors just say that absolutely yeah. you build us let them figure it out yeah you you build a coliseum uh two rooms one is for you have different cages linked to different le- levers and then in the other you have like a airlock system where you can put your squads in and then you open that thing up and then you have your squads fighting uh, like actual unarmed enemies, like troglodytes or unarmed goblins, and mm, and you put your practice. people around it, and ah, it's going to be great. Yeah, I can make a great big tavern. Yeah, fortifications. Yeah, I can make a great yeah. big tavern that surrounded the Colosseum area, such that the uh, the the people in the taverns get to watch the 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 festival. Yeah, that that sounds like something to do. Some of them freak out though. Like if you have, I've had fortifications from a tavern into 
into a room with baddies or windows. And if they can see the stuff in there, sometimes they freak out and panic. Like they're not smart enough to know. It's like, oh, it can't come through. So we're arranging right now, having one of the developers from of DF Hack, the one who actually ported the original Quick Fort into uh, the modern DF Hack. So whenever we can get the scheduling worked out with that person, we will be having them on. So I'm hoping that it's for our next episode. Yeah, let's see. What else have I had going on for my fortresses? So, you know, I have my Werebeast world. Oh, yes. I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I set up another fortress to try to beat the game and try to survive with Werebeasts. And I still have that, that world, uh, still have that world active and it's not retired or anything. But what I found was every decision that I made was bent on sequestering uh, migrants and everything that I did was to prevent werebees from infiltrating my fortress. And I found that it wasn't that much fun. So I decided that I would take a break from that, create a new world and, and try playing with, uh, with quick fort, which is what I just described. But yeah, I've put that, uh, that werebees world on the back burner and I might come back to it. I might not. We'll see. It depends on how I feel, but I totally mismanaged. I think from the very first fortress that I didn't properly manage the werebeast infection, I think it pretty much destroyed the world. <laughs> that is so funny. So you started you started your your very own Wuhan. Wonderful. Um, okay, too soon. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think you probably let the pandemic get a little out of control, and that was the end of it. Yep. So in my new fortress, I've got a, uh, I've got one more quick question to ask before I turn it over to you folks' descriptions. I have a citizen who is not a noble, not a sheriff, or anything like that, but she is taking it upon herself to punish people who I don't really think are doing anything at all uh, out of line. She just walks into the to the broker's bedroom and beats up the broker while the broker's asleep, and now the broker's like seriously injured. She seems happy. She doesn't seem to have any um, issues with her personality, but she just is. And it says she felt ha- she felt good after punishing so and so. You know what? I I read this. I think this is Tarn's uh, implementation of the Karen meme oh, into the game. <laughs> You've actually got the world's first Dorvin Karen. Um, Does she ask to see the tavern keeper? <laughs> uh, I I think uh, that person is probably somewhere in your military. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, she needs to be. Is she already? Uh, no, I'm trying to find. I'm trying to actually identify her here in my list of people. Because, because I would just assume that she might be like your militia commander, and no. that person is being sent out to punish evildoers. No, no. This was just a. This was just like a a peasant. Uh, so yeah, so that's been my excitement, uh, Dream Fort, and kind of giving up on my Werebeast world. Greetings, fellow dwarves. King Darzini extends a warm invitation to join our esteemed dwarven civilization of the Castle of Stops. Journey to the Dream Fort of Kelmat, Metalbent. Governed by the strong standard, our modern dwarven enclave boasts secure and comfortable apartments for all, with an extra touch of luxury in our nobility residences, 
should you be so inclined to seek a noble office. Explore a variety of amenities, including a spacious tavern, tranquil temples, and bustling guildhalls filled with treasures. Whether you seek camaraderie, spiritual solace, or a thriving workspace, Metalbent has it all. So King Garzini says, gather your family, load up your llamas, and bring your livestock along. A new life awaits you in Metalbent, the chance to begin again in a golden land of opportunity and adventure. Have either of you played a lot of, or any Dwarf Fortress, a lot of Dwarf Fortress over the break? Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah. It's, by the way, it's very reasonable that you set your beast world aside because that sounded like uh, no longer a hoot. Um, yeah. yeah. And it pass bypassed fun. And I had an idea. I was I was still playing my little old fourth that has been running for a long time but uh, i i guess chewing on that for too long has gotten quite stale so i started something new and i stumbled upon i believe it was on the wiki the idea of a super soldier program and it is very enticing to me but i'm missing the key ingredient now for everybody that doesn't know what a super soldier program is um (laughs) it utilizes vampires as well as the the ability lock like the traits that your dwarves have like agility and strength and endurance when they become an undead uh, these become locked so that zombie will no longer get any muscle mass however the zombie is stronger than the original person so a vampire version of urist is stronger and faster than Urist, but it will never gain more strength than they started with. So the Super Soldier program is essentially you get a dwarf and you train, 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 train that dwarf until that dwarf hits the absolute maximum of strength, agility, speed, and endurance, and every everything else that this dwarf can achieve. And then only you infect them with vampirism. And theoretically that means you now have a maxed out dwarf that has their stats increase again by being undead and then completely lock so they will not increase but they can't because you know it's already maxed but they can also not be reduced because there is no more skill rust the same way that you normally would have it now Weapon skills, for example, training with a sword still works just the same way. It is just about, like, strength, endurance, stuff like that. And endurance, for example, think about it. An undead does not get tired the same way. And the current, like, combat meta is that you have a strong dwarf, but at some point he gets tired. So what you actually want to do is something that is very close to what the elves do. And... May Armok strike me down for uttering these words, but uh, drowning your enemy in completely worthless war animals is a really good way to playing this game. Because at some point, your uh, the the attacker will just get tired, and it doesn't matter if uh, they're fighting like a war elephant or two or twenty, or if you just throw like sixty war gibbons at your enemy. They're completely worthless. They will not even scratch them. But 
the enemy has to dodge attacks. And if you have 60 Gibbons, they go like with the attacks. And that's a lot of dodging that that person has to do. And now the vampire does not get tired. Because I noted that a larger siege, I will have to break up into smaller parts so that my dwarves can butcher the small part very easily. And then they can recuperate, get some of their endurance back, like take a breather. And then I let in the, the next portion because 200 goblins is not going to kill your dwarves because your dwarves kind of suck. It is going to kill them because they no longer can't stand because they're so tired. The vampire does not have that problem. Mm. Mm. So the only thing that I'm missing, the key ingredient is just a vampire. And I don't have any vampires. And every single world I make doesn't have any vampires. And I'm like, ah, oh, God, I don't know what to do. I, I seem like I am cursed. I am cursed with not having any curses. Sometimes I get beasts, and I could also do the same thing with beasts, but Be careful. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I know somebody who would generate you a world. Werebeasts can get out of control. <laughs> yeah. yeah, plus you can't equip them uh, with the armor and weapons the same you can equip mm. a vampire. And that is like the thing. You know, I want a space marine Urus, and I can't have it. Mm. And, uh, that sounds like a mod. Uh, mod. Yeah, it sounds like a mod, but you can't do it in the normal vanilla game. Isn't that mm. crazy? Ah. Mm. No space marines. Now I just need a vampire. So if anybody out there, anybody that listens, has a few vampires over, uh, please send them by mail. Thank you very much. <laughs> Could you go into um, into Legends and try to track one down? Yeah. I, I actually went into Legends to even see if it makes sense to continue with the world if I even have any vampires. And... Uh, uh, which is why the Legends viewer, I fiddled with that a little bit, mm -hmm. um, was so great because I could just click a single button and it would f instantly filter out all vampires. And um, But uh, so far I had one world that had like six overall vampires and five of them already died. Mm. And getting the last one is just like, oh my god. So I might have to make my own vampire to begin with. I might have to just make a temple and get someone really, really, really sad or depressed or angry and then just make them shove some statues around. Oh, oh yeah, God. of course. Be the change you want to see. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. So that is what I have been up to. I've been considering a super soldier program. Ah, love it. I took the suggestion that you had posted to our discord which i think you got off of reddit you as in me or you as in roland you as in you which i think you'd shared which was something someone on reddit posted on how to get the game to work on a mac oh yeah and it works really really well so i've been able to play it on the mac and it plays as well as it does on my windows box so that's Ooh, nice. that's great i mean you can tell it's a little there's like just a slightest bit of sluggishness occasionally but Otherwise, it's pretty good. And I don't even have one of the newest Wizbang Macs. So it's great. So that's great. So it's totally playable. So I've been trying to generate different maps because I like maps where there are islands, but islands that you can bridge. So the land is close enough because I love building those bridge forts where I've connected the two continents. Because if you build one of those and then retire it, 
then there there is movement between the continents. So I've been trying to get a map that lets me do that, but I keep ending up with stuff with islands that are just too far apart or like just slightly too far apart where, you know, it says you can't embark in an ocean. <laughs> so that's what I've been trying to do with very limited success. Um, I played one of those pocket worlds because I thought that would be fun. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just a bit too small. It's pretty easy to kind of conquer it. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much wiped everyone out and we were a monoculture by the end. So that was kind of sad. <laughs> like, that's not really what I wanted. I used a pocket world to do some dwarven science and you are limited on your options for where you can embark because there's not much there. Yeah. If you start in year one, sometimes you can get it before the civilizations have wiped each other out, but you have to do it. Like if you did a 500 year pocket world, I think you'd find, I think you'd be pretty sad, but I want to get better at world gen. I think that's, that's going to be one of my, one of my things to try to figure out because I'm sure that I could accomplish. I'm sure if tech is listening, he's going, come on, man, I you learned nothing. But, um, yeah, I, I think I could do what I wanted with world gen easier, but so yeah, I want to play around with that a little bit more get a little smarter so can you make an embark location be large enough what is it six by six the largest six by six tiles so can you make it large enough to where your embark location can span two continents yeah so you you can definitely do that and there's different ways that i've found to bridge it where i can do you know i've built structures that go completely across it. I've, I've played around with this in a bunch of different ways where I've, I've found ones that are ice. So the water will freeze and then you can like during the cold periods, tunnel down and then build your pillars for the bridge. I mean, there's death involved with that for sure. Cause you're going to get it wrong sometimes. <laughs> Whoops. Um, and then other ones I've done where I just tunnel underneath and I just build like the Euro tunnel version of, 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 of dwarves. And then I build like a, an underground zero tunnel fortress or whatever. So I've done it both ways. But one of the problems that I've had is that you have to have enough land on both sides. Otherwise it thinks you're trying to embark in the ocean and it won't let you do it. And, and I know with DF hack, you can, you can use embark anywhere, but I haven't, I haven't tried that with the new, well, not so new release. I've only done it in the old, the old non steam releases. Well, cool. This segment of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable is brought to you by the Clean Joke Tavern, owned by the renowned Patrick Shaw. Meet Olin Plansabers, your trusty tavern keeper, ensuring the drinks keep flowing and the good times roll. Prepare to be mesmerized by the incredibly skilled dancer Monum Detmines, whose unparalleled spectacle of rhythmic artistry will leave you in awe. Hungry? The Clean Joke has you covered with finely crafted meals. Indulge in the legendary goat cheese roast, a culinary masterpiece made with expertly prepared goat cheese, minced strawberry plant, pig cheese, and donkey cheese. Don't miss out on the fun and flavors. Swing by the Clean Joke Tavern today, owned and operated in gorgeous metal bent by the fantastic Patrick Shaw. A night of entertainment, delicious dishes, and lively spirits awaits you. Cheers to good times at the Clean Joke. So I scrolled through my my list of dwarves in this current fortress, and we were talk, I was talking about those people who are being vigilantes. 
Uh, I'm, I must have something else going on because I have five different dwarves right now. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a connection among them, but all of their current tasks are beat criminal. What the hell? <laughs> I pull one of them up. Pals. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. So, so, and it's not just uh, it's not just uh, females either. It's uh, uh, there's some males and some females who are who are beating. So it's like, <laughs> um, she you was exhilarated after punishing somebody <laughs> with a beating. Jeez, you've got the fascist for it. Nice, congratulations. Welcome to 2024. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, so, did you just have a more crime-prone world, or like, have you looked at legends? I haven't. I've I've not I've not retired this fortress to, uh, or I guess I could do that with a save. Okay, yeah, you but, can save it and then. Yeah. Um, I just had to Google that because several people is weird. So it says uh, the punishment for a crime or a series of crimes will be issued by the sheriff. Yeah. Or I have no sheriff. By a member of the fortress guard. Um, let me take a look at my nobles here. Yeah, these people shouldn't be doing it on their own. I do have a captain of the guard, so that mm. that could be. Uh, so, how do I find out? Are they family members of the of a of a victim? Is that is that a thing that happens? I don't think so. But retribution is that yeah. is retribution built in? I'm gonna have to do some more, uh, some some deeper digging on this offline because, yeah, I, I wasn't aware until just now that I had multiple people who are uh, there's a, a ranger, a stone worker, an animal dissector, a potter, and a weaver who all have a task of beat criminal. But are they in the military? Um, because it says that they should be in the military to be yeah. issued those orders. Yeah. Um, mm. And here it says. Um, the Fortress Guard is the military squad in charge of delivering justice when they're in fort. So far, so good. Headed by the captain of the guard. So, um, if your captain of the guard is part of that military squad, apparently the entire squad will get the authority and the quests to just go out and be criminals. How do they know that they are crim? Okay, so yeah, I think that I think that we've got a. Uh, I think that we've 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 solved part of this mystery because yeah, it looks like that they are constructive quakes. Remember the constructive quakes. I wish that I could just go back one screen. Construct. Yeah, so all these people. It does look like that they are in a squad, and it does look like that they are. I can swear though that the person that I first discovered this off was not a member of a squad, but probably it. So yeah, I need to. I guess I need to, to get my uh, justice system going and find out what the hell's going on in my in my fortress, such that there's so many <laughs> people who are separately being beaten for being criminals. Well, yeah, uh, that, yeah that does happen if you ignore the production orders and such. And I personally always just ignore them because, oh, make another ten shirts, make another ten shirts. Oh, guess what? This month we're gonna make ten shirts. Okay, like relax. I don't oh. need that many shirts. Well, okay, yeah, so I think that we yeah. may be putting five and five together here to make ten, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I recently became a barony. Mm. Yeah, so the baron has been probably issuing uh, stuff. Uh, you have ignoring that. You have been ignoring that, and then people get beaten. Uh, the best way around it, is, while not making those productions, by the way, is simply making like a jail, and then uh, most. 
Because the game handles it this way. If you don't have a jail, then quote-unquote, it will be downgraded to just a beating. But realistically speaking, you want the other result. You want them to be in jail for a while and get a little sad and think about what they have done or not done instead of getting beaten by the fortress god. So what are the uh, what are the sentences? How long do they end up getting stuck in jail? Uh, that depends on uh, what has happened. If it's just like a production order, then I I think they only get a few days? Question mark uh, like a, a at max like a month. But the thing is that there is a massive difference between a month in jail where they get a little cranky, stinky, or like a beating from somebody that works out day by day. Yeah. Cause these, uh, these beatings uh, that the one person had, I, I checked up on some of the, the, the people that she beat and she beat them badly. She put them in a the hospital. Yeah. Jeez. So. They're messing around. Okay. Yep. So well. I had considered just dumping this fortress and retiring it just because uh, I wanted to create a new fortress with dream fort and record it. But now I may have to investigate this and try implementing a uh, Department of Corrections in my <laughs> fortress. So. Department of Corrections, yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the, the, this is ultimately why I got invested into the justice system, uh, because I, I noted that there was some things that I just didn't understand. Like, why are you getting beaten? Oh, oh, production order? Oh, I didn't do the production order. And that ultimately led me to uh, making jails very quickly. Like, if I have a captain of the guard um, or a sheriff or both, then I really try to get a jail going simply because then nobody gets beaten anymore. So and, if I uh, if I unassign the captain of the guard, will this, you know, stop itself? Uh, yeah, it should. But the problemo here is that they kind of stack. Uh, as in your justice is going to get done at some other point when you get the captain of the guard back. What and, if I never... Uh, I mean, you can have militia captains without having a captain of the guard, right? Uh, yeah, no, you, you can just never assign the position again. Uh, that That is not the problem. I'm just saying that I once had it where I unassigned the person and assigned it like a few months later when I had my jail going, and my jail apparently wasn't correctly done. And then the person was just like, okay, it's been three months. I'm going to beat all of you. And then went like around and <laughs> beat everyone. And I was like, holy crap, what are you doing? So they, they kind of stack. They, they continue to remember that they have to sentence someone. Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, you know, that may be a position that I shy away from, uh, from, I, I don't guess that I understood the ramifications of assigning that captain of the guard whenever I, whenever I did that. Uh, yeah, I have a separate militia commander. I didn't realize they were so militant about the production orders. To be honest, I I, I do now. Yeah, well, so do I consider myself educated, educated. My uh, my poor family dwarves, like a, a, a mother who was beaten in her bedroom in front of her child. That, oh. uh, that, oh. that you know that taught me something. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's uh, it's a bit fashy. Yeah, maybe not so good. Not not a good look for twenty twenty four. Greetings, farmers and green thumbs. 
This segment is proudly presented by Michael Eller, your Hall of Budding Guild Extension Officer. And the Bud of Tundras, Metalbent's premier Grand Farmers Guildhall. Join us at the Bud of Tundras to delve into the art of farming, a haven for those eager to make their gardens thrive. Discover the secrets of cultivation and learn how to maximize the yield of your hard work. Education is key, and at the Bud of Tundras, we're dedicated to helping farmers like you reach new heights. Calling all members of the Hall of Budding, the Bud of Tundras is your designated spot for continuing education. Remember, neglecting your continuing education could bring severe retribution. Don't let that happen. Join Michael Eller, our esteemed guild manager, as he ensures you receive top-notch guidance at the Bud of Tundras. Your grand guild hall for growth, knowledge, and agricultural excellence. We are implementing a new segment dealing with DF Hack because there's so many things in DF Hack that we want to explore more. So we have decided to to uh, have each episode feature one of the DF hack commands or aspects. And we decided to start off with an easy one. So we started with auto farm and auto farm does uh, pretty much exactly like it sounds. Once you put in a farm plot, then auto farm will at certain triggers, whenever your food gets down below a certain level of particular thing that you want to farm, it will automatically plant and harvest those those items. So I, I built that pocket world that I talked about a little bit earlier just for the experiment of auto farm. I was gonna do some some you know graphs and data collection about just how efficient auto farm was and i was going to see show just how much food that you can that you can make and it doesn't quite work like that yeah it works really well though yeah i built like huge huge farm plots and was just expecting to see an exponential growth in the amount of my plants that i had on hand for food but what i didn't realize was that those triggers keep you from over farming so they will plant things as you need them and stop planting things whenever you have enough of them and you can set the triggers on those. So let me go ahead and pull that up here, the command. So I had never used AutoFarm before before this experiment. Had either of you used it? Uh, yeah, I use it all the time now. Okay, in, in that case, you have to explain it to me because most of these functions, AutoFarm, AutoBotcher, I have not used. So to turn it on, you use the command enable AutoFarm in the uh, DF Hack console. If you look at the help on it, it automatically manages farm and crop selection. It will periodically scan your plant stocks and assign crops to your farm plots based on which plant stocks are low, as long as you have the appropriate seeds. The target threshold for uh, each crop type is configurable. You can find out what things are being farmed by using the auto farm status command. You can uh, change a threshold by the command auto farm threshold, type in a number, and then you can type in the uh, the type of plant that you want to set that threshold number for. It's pretty quick and straightforward. It it's a kind of a set it and forget it thing. If you don't like the the uh, intricacies of farming and you just want them to take care of it, then Auto Farm is for you. It works. I use it with. Um, I mean, you can use it with other things like paper making. If you want, it'll automatically grow the stuff and then. The, and then one of the other ones will, I think, yeah, 
One of the other things will also, it'll process the plants for you, which is pretty cool. So it'll make the slurry automatically when they harvest it. It's really neat. I've had some, I've had really good luck. It kind of takes all, takes some of the, takes some of the drama out of it all. Makes it a little easier. The question here is, does it still overproduce or does it try and rein in the amount of overproduction that, that is happening? I think it, it, I rains, think it, it in. rains it in. Yeah, yeah. that's. Okay. I was trying to get it to overproduce, and it wouldn't because as long as you have, let's say that you have the plump helmet threshold set at 100, as long as your stock on hand of that particular plant is over the threshold, they won't plant it. So they will only plant plump helmets whenever the amount on hand is below that threshold mm -hmm. and you have the seeds for it. Well, 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 because my little problem in Dwarf Fortress usually is that I just overproduce and then I come back later and like 10 years the fortress has been running and I check and I'm like, I don't know, 7,000 plump helmets just laying around. And I'm like, hmm, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, so maybe that is interesting for me to look at well i ran auto farm status on my dream fort and it indicates that the default trigger is at 50 so as long mm -hmm. as you have 50 plump helmets on hand and you have uh the seeds for them as long as you have 50 on hand it won't plant them but if you drop below the 50 trigger of plump helmets it'll it'll plant some plump helmets but you can also if you if you want to target a particular kind of plant then uh then you can run the uh, there's a Lua script that is in the help uh, help description of AutoFarm such that you can run to find out what the names, what the identifiers for all of your individual plants are hmm. in your in your mm -hmm. world. Yeah, it's cool. It'll do the above ground stuff too. And if you make the right yes. number of plots, it'll have, you'll have a wider variety of um, cooking stuff available, which they all enjoy. And AutoFarm in DreamFort is implemented automatically, so it's it's automatically mm -hmm. turned on. So I found that my above-ground plot was being uh, more productive than my underground plot, and they were doing things like potatoes and beets and and lots of fun things that, that gave some more variety in the uh, meals that were being created in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Potato roast. Exactly. So that was the awesome. DF Hack Minute. Yeah, that's good. That's our DF hat corner. All right, well, I don't really have much else mm -hmm. to go over today. It's, I'm just kind of getting back into into my fortressing. Yeah, we could likewise. could having a short episode today. Yeah, I, I kind of need to dash away anyway, oh, so cool. that's pretty good. Yeah, in that case, I, I can use the remaining like a few minutes that we have for a little shout out for something that I saw uh, today uh, during my breakfast time on the subreddit, which was hilarious. Somebody had a bug and a person used like 290 scrolls of uh, um, cloth for a artifact shirt. And the artifact shirt ended up being 155,600 dwarf bucks. Wow. Yeah, that's uh it's it's pretty crazy. And Liberace. the crazier part is because of uh, there was a specific bug where the dwarf just took more cloth and more cloth and more cloth and more cloth up until to the point where um 
the original poster just realized that there was a bug and managed to fix it, and it ended up being like 290 cloth bowls used. And every single cloth bowl ended up being a decoration on the t-shirt. It is a insane wall of text that came out. I was amazed to see it. And it is two pages, screenshotted two pages of full text. Even my <laughs> statue that I did has less text than this. This is insane. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, so, Cinnamon Spirits. Cinnamon Spirits is the original poster of this. Uh, please go onto the Dwarf Fortress subreddit, check it out yourself. It is absolutely hilarious. Um, there is a complete comment from the original poster themselves explaining what the hell is going on and how many different images are there. Wow. Mm -hmm. oh, it, chef's kiss. It is, it is great. I love it. So we did have some questions from, uh, from people out of the, uh, the discord server. And unfortunately my internet is actually down and I'm right now running on a, uh, a hacked together telephone hooked into a laptop. So I'm not, I, I didn't get to prepare this morning as well as I, as I normally do. So we're going to yeah, go ahead and next time. Yeah. post those. Yeah. We're going to put, we're going to take care of those questions next time, but there were some, some good questions. Um, if, if you haven't joined the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable discord yet, uh, we, uh, we welcome you and invite you to join that. It has been, it has really turned into the place to to really interact with the with the listeners interacting with each other, as I guess a Discord server is supposed to supposed to work. But it's it's uh it's been very pleasant. It's it's been a really good uh, experience. So uh, if you'd like to, if you like Discord, please feel free to join that. The link yeah, to really join neat. is on our website. Thanks. So yeah. and thanks for thanks for your participation. It's cool. Yeah. So Tony, I know that you have a uh, emergency situation there that you need to I do. get Thank to. Thank you very much. Yep. And uh, it's been great. And happy New Year, everyone. We'll see you next time. All right. So Tony is dropping out, and I guess let's go ahead and just wrap this up. It's going to be a short little yeah. episode of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. And maybe we should be making them shorter. I don't know. We've no, we've gone over that just, before. But. That's tomorrow's problem. This has been episode ninety-five of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Oh, I've got one more thing that uh, that I want to uh, want to, to mention. So I'm I'm considering opening up. We used to have a phone line that you'd call in and leave a message. We are collecting ideas for our one hundredth episode, and uh, one of the ideas is that if you would like to call up and leave a short message, say thirty seconds or so, just mentioning your favorite uh, Dwarf Fortress moment. The number will be in our uh, on our webpage for you to give us a call, leave a short message, and we'll collect those and put them on our 100th episode extravaganza or around that or whatever we decided to do. We still haven't got it planned out yet because that's just kind of how we run. But, but yeah, we're thinking about doing that. So if, uh, if you'd like to do that, take a look at our webpage and you'll get the phone number there. All right. So anything else to, to cover, guys? Not today. This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, episode number 95. Good luck and dig deep, and we'll catch you next time, right? Yeah. And send me some vampires. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. If you'd like to contact us by email... 
The address is urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. If you'd like to interact with the hosts and listeners of the podcast, you'll find a link to join our Discord server in the main menu of our website. If you'd like to help support this podcast financially, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable. This is a conversational podcast. All craft swordship is of the highest quality. Thanks, Alfonso.